Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. And let's face it, all that's what's going on in uh, Eastern Europe and Ukraine, all of that really does pertain to us from a business perspective, of course, a security perspective, and much, much more. Any long-term listener of this show knows that my ongoing series I've been doing with Washington Post reporters is this is another in this series. And we're going to talk specifically about what's going on in Ukraine uh, with with Gene Whalen. Gene, welcome to the program. You're a co- co-writer on a recent article, and you're a reporter there at the Washington Post, on san- sanctions, the impact sanctions have had on Russia. And uh, I, I guess you would probably describe having read your article with mixed results and how more action may be required. Um, welcome to the program. Glad to have you on. Let's just jump right into it. Talk about uh, what has been done as far as sanctions. We see a lot about that, of course, on a macro level, but a few specifics. And what you see coming around the corner from when you hear, talk to uh, policymakers. And welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks. Great to be here. Um, it, right. So the, the sanctions have been in place for about a year now. They consisted of just kind of broadly sanctioning a lot of Russian banks, cutting them off from international banking networks, freezing Russia's central bank reserves, uh, stopping countries around the world from selling Russia computer chips and other high-tech gear that it needs to make weapons, and sanctioning a lot of the Putin-aligned elites so they can't bank overseas, travel overseas, that sort of thing. Altogether, the effect has been kind of mixed. It, it initially caused uh, the Russian currency, the ruble, to crash. It caused a lot of problems with the banking sector. It caused people to line up at ATMs to try to withdraw their money because they feared the ruble would crash further. Uh, it caused a lot of exports to Russia to halt for a couple of months there last year. But then things started to normalize a bit. The ruble strengthened because Russia continued exporting a lot of oil and gas, uh, which gave the government money to keep waging its war. Um, Exports to Russia from some countries resumed. We see China and Turkey exporting more to Russia in the second half of 2022, uh, including computer chips and you know, Russia's economy overall last year contracted by about 3%, it seems, but that's a lot less than initially expected. The initial expectations were that it would contract by maybe 10% or more. So the results so far have been kind of mixed. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so obviously 3%, that, that seems astonishing. I, you know, there there is a lot of smokes and beers. You know, a lot of smoke and beer in government accounting. We even see that in democracies, including our own, but that seems unbelievable. So obviously there seems to be a need for more if they're going to actually have a profound impact. What is? What do you see? What are you hearing in terms of further sanctions? Well, what, what started at the beginning of December, so about two months ago, could be decisive, and that is that the, the European Union stopped importing Russian crude oil. They, on December 5th, they stopped in, importing most Russian crude. And then uh, just last week, I believe it was, or two weeks ago on February 5th, the EU stopped importing refined Russian oil, so gasoline and diesel and those types of things. And that seems to be having a much stronger effect now. That is causing 
Russia's oil and gas revenue to drop quite considerably. That means the government's tax collection from oil and gas companies has fallen by quite a lot over the last few months. And we now see that the ruble is weakening as a result. It's gone down by about uh, 20% in value since the measures began in December. So that is definitely having a stronger effect. And, you know, we'll see over time whether Russia and the rest of the world adjust to these rules too and manage to kind of work around them. Um, it's a bit early days, but it, it does seem that they are having more more of an impact than the previous measures did. So what are the challenges for the West to uh, sustain these measures? I mean, the challenges are staying united, I think. It's, it's making sure that the Western coalition continues to enforce the restrictions, continues to... Um, you know, crack down on countries that are not abiding by the rules. And, you know, it's not, it's tricky for the U.S. and other countries to enforce some of these rules because, you know, you may ask yourself, well, what gives us the right or the ability to tell China what to do? I mean, strictly speaking, we can't tell China what to do, right? But we can sanction their companies if they don't abide by the export restrictions. If if, if we find that some Chinese companies are selling chips to Russia, we can stop selling those Chinese companies American software and manufacturing equipment that they need to make chips. So there are, there are things that we can do to, to make China and other countries follow these restrictions, and, and it's up to us and to other countries to, to do that if we want the, the restrictions to be followed. So there's a lot of enforcement that needs to happen. There's a lot of... Um, you know, unity that needs to continue among the alliance of countries that imposed these sanctions. And there are, there are further steps that could be taken. There, there is right now, in addition to the EU oil import ban, there is also now a, a global price cap that the G7 countries put on Russian oil. So the U.S. and the other G7 countries are trying to enforce this rule that anyone buying Russian oil around the world cannot pay Russia more than $60 a barrel, which is pretty low. And our, our thinking, the U.S. thinking was, well, if we set that cap, then some Russian oil will continue flowing to the market and we won't cause prices at the pump here at home to spike, but we will also be limiting Russia's revenue from oil sales. And so, you know, enforcing that will also be a tricky business and will depend on lots of countries cooperating and making sure that shipping companies aren't going around the rules, et cetera. So there's a lot of enforcement that needs to happen. Yeah, very complicated, to say the least. And, and of course, none of this happens in a vacuum. All of these regulations and restrictions are going to have an impact on the West. And when I look at the situation with China, which is already very hostile, obviously the kind of measures you described, that I don't see how – we don't go to those measures at some point, just just because China is so resistant and uh, and does, doesn't really consider themselves aligned with the West when it comes to this. Um, all of that, you know, is the kind of things that leads to tensions that often lead to military confrontation. Really, a lot of the world today reminds me so much from uh, studying history of the world post uh, Smoot Hawley Tariff Act of 1929 that many said led the fuse that led to World War II um, because it's all, you know, if goods are not crossing borders, troops are. There's a lot of tension going on. 
and a lot of non-cooperation on an economic level, which is really vital for, for peace. And I'm not advocating that we shouldn't be uh, invested in, in Ukraine as we have been. I'm just saying we need to do it with eyes wide open. Yeah, there's a, there are a lot of, you know, different interests out there and, and countries like China and India perhaps don't see the need to um, halt trade with Russia as much as the United States and its partners do. And, and entangling with China is tricky, right? We, the U.S., have a lot of business ties there. Um, we depend on China for a lot of our imports. And we've already got a lot of trade restrictions that we've slapped on China over the last few years that are you know, completely unrelated to, to Russia's invasion. So even before Russia invaded, the U.S. had already started restricting a lot of tech exports to China, which angered China. And so I think the Biden administration is trying to walk a tightrope with China. And it's, it's not a, perhaps always a straightforward forward matter to just keep heaping more punishments on China without um, sparking some sort of trouble for us in return. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Jean Whaley and I really appreciate your time. She's with the Washington Post. We will have a link over to uh, her most recent article at uh, priceofbusiness.com as well as uh, this interview available. And I'm um, a huge fan of the Washington Post. No one does, frankly, very few. Uh, it's like down to a handful, literally a handful of publications that offer the depth and breadth of coverage that the Washington Post does, which is why I'm a fan. Thanks so much for being with us. Sure thing. Thank you very much. I'm Kevin Price. This is the Price of Business. Stay tuned for more.